Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Wow, I thought I had like another 30 seconds. That was one of the... That was a more sensible length for the intro. It was like five seconds. I do it 5, 10, 15. It's always on the 5 or the 10. I think one week it was about 115, or at least it felt like that. It was kind of long. Hey, no, yeah. it was 25. <laughs> yeah, certainly welcome back. Um, We weren't sure if we were even going to do another episode at this point. Um, we were. I had everything ready for last week, and we just didn't quite get to it. Uh, we didn't really have a proper review of anything. Uh, but we do this week. Um, we're actually recording on the Sunday morning, and um, we're actually going to record the whole thing without segment two. And the reason that is segment two is uh, Cappin State Volleyball. It is, yeah. They're at Howard so, University in and, DC, so, so we're going to go see. In the time of recording, it's before, so we're going to go uh-huh. to it after we finish segment. Two. So we're going to record everything else. Uh, we'll record. It. It'll only be a quick review, I think. Uh, we're not really experts on volleyball. I like watching volleyball. I've been to many college games. It's exciting to watch. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll do a little review and then we'll plug the it back in. Including the old dig record game, <laughs> the one from which Maryland. Dad didn't know, and, and then I when knew. they brought out the shovel, well, then I, Dad knew. Jackson, uh, sorry, Mason didn't remember it though, because we asked him, and he's like, "No, I don't remember that at all." But he remember going to Maryland games for sure. Yeah. All right, so some of these stories are probably, I guess, a week out of date a little bit, but thankfully I don't choose anything super time specific, so we should be okay. So segment one, I was kind of interested in this stat that I saw: um, the most leadoff home runs for a season. Now, I wonder if you want to... Uh, sorry, it must be most leadoff runs... Um, oh, yeah, no, no, that's right, that's right. Um, this was from Jason Catania on uh, MLB.com. So, what do you reckon, JJ? All the teams combined... Oh, uh-huh. Yep. What's the most number of home runs scored by the leadoff hitter in a season? Uh, actually, sorry, leadoff home runs. So, in other words, the first person that comes to bat, they hit a home run off that first at bat. How many, How many do you games reckon? There, in a season? there are 162, and there's obviously 30 teams who are doing it as well. So there's uh, potentially about 4,800 opportunities to hit a home run off the first at bat. But normally, the first like, leadoff bat is normally not a home run hitter because they normally just try and get on base, right? Following on from last episode, I know you like your little stats. So uh, this season's the record, by the way. That's why I got this down. 170. That's that's not bad actually um at the time when i wrote this down and it might have it might have gone a little higher before the end of the season it was 193 i was like wow okay that is i was gonna i was thinking that there was definitely going to be more than at least one team that one team would do at least once now i was kind of surprised um that it was that many because normally like i say they just normally people who get on base it's kind of changed a little bit um in 1999 it was the first time 100 leadoff home runs was hit so 20 plus years later it's nearly doubled that and i was missing the last week of the stats when i did this so it might have they actually might have made 200 um and the five highest totals all came from 2016 till 2021 oh sorry the record was in 90 it was in 2019 i apologize it wasn't this season at all it was 2019 when the record was set so following on from that i was kind of curious because i know you like your stats as well who has the most leadoff home runs of any batter 
So I'm not going to ask you for how many that person has, but any ideas who it is? It's somebody who holds lots of records, and it was somebody recently who you just totally forgot their name, even though they hold lots of stolen bass. Oh, they hold lots of stolen bass records. Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson. His uh, dad was talking about him with so many stolen bases. Yeah, and you remember this time. Uh, what's most incredible, it says, about Henderson's 81 game-starting dingers is how many more he has than everybody else. That's partly because Henderson played forever. Uh, his 3,081 games rank fourth highest of all time. I didn't know he played for that long. And also, unlike a number of the other players below, he, sta he stayed in the leadoff spot his entire career. I didn't know that either because I didn't watch Ricky Henderson play in his career. I was not watching baseball at that time. Uh, Henderson racked up 13,120 two plate appearances um and he the didn't kitty. even reach a hundred plate appearances in any other lineup the kitty is now cleaning well yeah we got heel cat with us today uh so second on that list is uh, alfonso soriano who has 54 um he actually has 412 home runs in total but he wasn't always playing lead off so they don't all count uh, Craig Biggio is third with 53. Does that, that name sound familiar to you? I'm guessing not. I kind of heard said. the name, but I don't know who he is. You were talking about fathers and sons that both play. Um, his son plays for the Blue Jays right now. It's something like Carvin Biggio or something. Because um, you thought it was Biggio, which is not surprising if you've never heard it pronounced before. But I have a card with him, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, fourth is George Springer. Uh, he got his 52nd. I put this week according to this, but this would have been last week. Uh, George Springer also plays for the Blue... Oh, no, he plays for the Astros. I think he plays for the okay. Astros. And fifth is Ian Kinsler. Curtis Granderson is in sixth. Jimmy Rollins is in seventh. Brady Anderson I included. Who's it was Brady eight. Anderson? Jeez. Anderson made his MLB debut in 1988 with the Red Sox. I didn't know that. Uh, he would be traded along with that year to, with Kurt Schilling to the Orioles. But didn't hit his first leadoff home run until 1992. So Woo! he took four years for him to get even one leadoff home run, and he's eighth on that list. Uh, Charlie Blackman's ninth. And, this shows uh, you why the Orioles are good. Tenth is Ichiro. I was surprised Ichiro was so low down on that, to be honest. 37. Ichiro's 37 leadoff shots are far and away the most. Uh, no other Mariners player has hit more than six. <laughs> so if you look at Mariners' records for leadoff home runs, Ichiro 37, next person 6. I, I thought that was kind of crazy. But yeah, I like those little stats that I haven't kind of seen before. So, All right, story okay, two. Okay, the rest of the Mariners is horrible. Um, the only good person is Ichiro. I am kind of curious. Well, their job isn't normally to hit home runs. It's normally just to get on base. But if they have a chance to hit a home run, then they're, they're going to do. All right, story two, Shohei Atani. I know you like Shohei, so go ahead. <laughs> Tell us about what it what tell us the big news as far as you were concerned. He's Shohei Otani has agreed to a thirty million deal with the Los Angeles Angels for the twenty twenty three season. And a two way superstar final year of action. Arbitration eligibility. So as they come towards you know when you understand free agency, when they first join a team, after a while the team can hold on to them, but they have to try and agree a fee. And if they don't agree how much money it is, it goes to somebody who decides, like, we think this person's worth this amount of money. So normally if they can, they'll try and agree it beforehand because obviously the club wants to keep the player happy. Like, you go, ha, oh, I'm only going to I'm only gonna give you a million. They're like, come on, I'm worth more than a million. And then they go to arbitration, they would get a lot of money anyway. And they'd be like, hey, what are you trying to do to me? I'm not staying with a team. That... So they always try and agree on a fee. And this was from ESPN as well, by the way. I said he's been. Oh, you did? I'm sorry. Before free agency... The deal is the largest one-year contract ever given to an arbitration-eligible player, beating the $27 million given 
to Mookie Betts by the Boston Red Sox in January 2020. Now, when that happened, they got him managed to sign him up for that extra year. And I think pretty much as soon as they signed him up, I think that's when they traded him to the Dodgers. So they could manage to get some people back because they knew he wasn't going to sign another contract after that. And same with Otani. If he wants to leave after this year, he will be... I after, think he's sorry, going to the Dodgers. Year. I think he's probably going to go to the Dodgers as well. He likes Los Angeles, but the Dodgers can afford him. And now he can play DH as well. I think that makes a big difference. Uh, I think we've got one more line. Um, Otani's salary in 2022 is $5.5 giving giving him a $24.5 million raise. That's pretty good. The previous record was 9.6 set by the... Uh, Set by Cy Young Award winner J Jacob deGrom of the New York Mets in 2019. I think that tells you how good Otani is. So the previous biggest raise was less than $10 million, And this arbitration raise gives him a $25 million raise. I was surprised he was only on... Five and a half million the year before, uh, or the current year he's just played in. Um, yeah, Angel's got a definitely got a bargain this year. Um, the other stat I know it's a week old now was in his last pitching performance. JJ he nearly threw a no hitter. Uh, he pitched eight innings, only gave up two hits, and he was four outs away from a no hitter. So I kind of watched the end of it, and um, yeah, it was a little bit unfortunate. Um, as I was looking at that thing on Ricky Henderson, and it said that he had the fourth most um, games of all time. My obvious question was, and I thought your question might be, who's number one? That's normally what you ask me. And then I was In like, what? oh yeah, of course. Any ideas who number one is? We know Ricky's number four. It's definitely a name you've heard of. It's also, it's also most number of games played in the major leagues. It's also the person who's number one for the most number of hits in the major leagues as well. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. Ah, that'll well, come that makes it easier because I'm... Because then that's going to make it so they have steroids, probably. Cause then that's no, not steroids. What? No, he was caught. I thought that would be the only That would make sense. Die. He was caught gambling on the game, which you're not allowed to do. Or oh, allegedly was caught Pete gambling Rose? on. Pete Rose? Pete Rose is number one. I know he was gambling. Pete Rose, 3,562 games. games. That's crazy. Um, 24 seasons. The Man. only reason why I knew it was him, because I knew he gambled in as soon as he said I thought you might have heard that one. Now, I didn't know this one. Um, I have a Carl Yastrzemski jersey. I didn't know he was second all time. 3,308 games in 23 years. I think all of them were the Red Sox. Uh, Hank Aaron was fourth. Ricky Henderson, uh, sorry, was third. Uh, Ricky Henderson was fourth. Albert Pujols was fifth. Now, actually, it might have been. He was only six games behind Ricky Henderson. So when I wrote this down, it's possible he's played seven more games since that. So actually, Albert Pujols might be uh, fourth all time now on that list as well. Uh, Ty Cobb was sixth. Orioles guy, Eddie Murray, was seventh, along with Stan Musial. Oh, they tied. Uh, ninth was Willie Mays, uh, 3,026. And 10th on that list was Cal Ripken Jr., 3,001. I kind of wish he'd played one less game, to be honest. 3,000 would sound like a much nicer number, but hey. Um, to finish off the list, Barry Bonds, Dave Winfield, Omar Vizcal, Rusty Staub, Adrian Beltre, Brooks Robinson, there's another Oreo, uh, Robin Yaunt, Craig Vigio again, Al Kaline, and Rafael Palmero, another Oreo as well. So there's quite a lot of Orioles on that list. Yeah, because they're absolutely... Iron horses. Uh, uh, game uh, story number four. Their arms are made out of iron. Story four is for you. This is kind of a short one. Okay. Game day MLB reported the Braves are eight games from going the whole season without a sacrifice button. They would be the first team in history to do that. 
Yeah, last time we talked about the total number of sacrifice bunts, and it was like at an all-time low. But I didn't realize it was it ne a team had never done one in the whole season, and I don't know if they made it or not. But I saw that Why? stat, and I was like, "Why?" Because they don't need to anymore. Because there's no pitcher. Braves can hit, so they might as well just hit. Uh, they want to try and drive people in. Uh, story number five. The can also hit. Well, thank you. Story number five. We talked about Aaron Judge. Um, I actually have um, some interesting things that I didn't know about Aaron Judge. We obviously know he's a good baseball player. Um, in high school, JJ, I think this is his senior year, uh, for football, he had 54 receptions, 969 yards, and 17 touchdowns. That was a single-season touchdown record for his school. For basketball, he was 18.2 points average, 12.8 rebounds per game, and he was a center for state, or state really, center. I don't really know it. Basketball sticks. Oh, okay. Uh, so how come you made... I messaged a basketball player the other day, and you were like, average... So you have not... Like I said, you have no idea at all. Uh, baseball, he batted 500, hit seven home runs, uh, 32 RBIs. Good. Um, went 9-3 and three as a pitcher. I didn't know he was a pitcher. Uh, 0.65 ERA. That's He's ridiculous. Good. And 65 strikeouts. So that was pretty impressive. Wait, why isn't he a pitcher then? Um, it's being it's different between being a pitcher at school and being a pitcher for the major leagues, and um, yeah, but I'd like to see him come in. Then you know, sometimes when games are being lost and they just bring a player in because they just got to pitch the game out. I don't know. Perhaps at some point then we when might actually the see Aaron Judge. Well, there's lots of them, but if they're in a game where they can't win, then it might be possible in the future we might just see Aaron Judge pitching in. And then Aaron Judge can turn the game. Around. I think the thing is, you wouldn't want to risk. Can you imagine if he was pitching and he injured his arm and he was out for like a year? Like you wouldn't want to risk injuring a player like would. Aaron Judge. And um, since I wrote this, also um, Aaron Judge set the single season record for home runs in the American League. He hit his 62nd against the Texas. MLB? Uh, 73 is uh, Barry Bonds' record. That's in the National League. But 62 is an American League record. So the three people who've held the American League record, uh, basically it's always been with the Yankees. So uh, Babe Ruth said it in the 20s. Um, Roger Maris broke it in the 60s, 1961, and actually got 61. Babe Ruth was 60, by the way, in case you didn't know. And then um, Judge broke it 61 years later with 62. Oh, yeah. So the Yankees have Wait, held yeah. the American League record for over 100 years for a single season. Babe Ruth's record. record was 30, and then it jumped up to 50 because they... Thirty kind of juicy the ball. It was uh, it was called the dead ball era. Like the balls weren't very good. It wasn't yeah. very tightly wound, so it didn't go as far. I yeah. think, or it was. That's heavy. why they put people in the outfield. Uh huh. So um, yeah. And if you and it went in there, it would be a ground rule triple. Uh huh. Now I did see one other interesting which aspect about no Aaron sense. Judge, which I'm going to get you to read. I think I told you this one because I wasn't sure if we were going to record or not. Aaron Judge has struck out 167 times so far this season, and Tony Gwynn struck out eight. Nine, 167 times in the 90s. So Aaron Judge, and he probably struck out more by the end of the season, because I think he went 0 for 3 on one of the games and with a strikeout. So he struck out more in one season than Tony Gwynn struck out in the whole of the 1990s in 10 years. You did ask who Tony Gwynn was. I'm not surprised, because it's a Who's player. Who's Tony Gwynn? He, I saw him, uh, he retired, I think, in 2002, Who's I think. Tony Gwynn? He was a great batter. Why um, did he retire? Because he was getting old. He retired at the same time that Cal Ripken retired. And actually, I think they both went into the Hall of Fame at the same time. So I think I got to see... The same group? Uh, yes. I, he, was, he was the last closest person to bat 400 for a season. I, it was like 390-something. And then I think it was uh, like the strike year. So they didn't actually finish the uh, they didn't actually finish the season at all. Why did they not? 
because um, the players were asking for more money. Um, MLB, well, there was like a few things that they wanted in their contracts that MLB wasn't doing. So um, yeah, they 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 had extra a money. But then in the end, they, back... <laughs> they get their rent paid for them. Uh -huh. And free cars. Well, there was other things like they were asking for like uh, their pensions to be better and people to be looked after if they get injured and things. There was a lot of things that were involved with it, but in general, they were right. It's a very marketable product, and they probably weren't getting what they deserve for this. Oh yeah, once the Reds um um put um send somebody to the dentist for for their arm hurting. What? <laughs> Who was that? I don't know, I forget oh, it. Okay. Segment two was supposed to be the review of the uh, Coppin State game at Howard University volleyball game that Jackson and I went to today. Unfortunately, we've got a temper tantrum from an eight-year-old right now, so I don't think we're going to have that segment recorded. As we already said, this episode was going to come out on time. Uh, this is just a little filler there. Uh, final score was uh, Howard University 3, uh, Coppin State 1. Uh, Coppin State won the first set, and um, after that... And just kind of got away from them a little bit. Second set, the Howard were kind of dominant, and it was true in the fourth set as well. Uh, we both had great fun. Uh, we planning on attending more uh, more events for sure. Uh, there were some really good Coppin State players. Uh, they played with a lot of heart. Um, they just came across a team today who were really good at uh, uh, the kills and the spikes and um, didn't commit as many errors. And um, we're probably the better team on the day. But, um, yeah, we had fun. Sorry we couldn't do a full review, but on with the rest of the show. Alright, I'm going to start off with the uh, Coppin State update this time, because uh, I actually want to talk about uh, volleyball. It seems, we're going, it seems we've technically we've just recorded this segment, even though we're going to switch the order of our segments. Um, Ashley Roman has 1,327 uh, digs at the time of publishing on December 2021. Um, we were looking, we saw um, Ashley Roman's name had come up. And um, I was curious, so I looked online to see, I was like, oh, how close she is to the, to the MIAC record. So I looked it up, and she was at that. Anyway, she's already done well this season. She'd had 326 when I started to look. Uh, she was on 1,649, and that actually put a third all-time on the MIAC list. And she only needed 28 to move up to second all-time. And um, since the time of recording, she is now second all-time. And the weird thing about that list is, as I was how looking, JJ... How until she's first? A uh, long, long way. So, Ashley Roman is currently in third. Uh, sorry, in second now. Um, the se so, Ashley. The second per the person who's now in third is Ashley Johnson uh, with 1,676. And the person who's first is Ashley Preston of Morgan State with 2,066. So, she needs like another 300 and something to get to that. So, that's kind of a lot. But she's already had 300 this season. So, I don't know. Perhaps it is possible. Um, I don't think they count playoffs when they go to that record, but I thought it was really weird that in the MIAC, the 1-2-3 of most digs was all by somebody called Ashley. Um, you also asked what was the most in the NCAA, and I was like, oh my god, I have no idea. Uh, All-time, Laura Newbury of Chattanooga. Do you want to make a guess for the career? So, the MIAC record is 2,066. 2,066? Mm-hmm. I'm saying 3,200. 
Forty-two. That's pretty good. Three thousand one hundred and seventy-six. So it's like over a thousand more than the the Miak record. So I think well, part maybe of that she is can get it's, one thousand five hundred. I think the part of that though is it's not necessarily how good of a player you are. It depends on the team. Like if you're on a really good team, you might win all your games three-zero. So you're only playing three sets. If you're on a team that's kind of I don't want to say struggling, but if you have a team that's in the middle, you might have to play more sets. So you might get five sets, and that means you get to play more as well. Um, unfortunately, right now for Coppin State. They've won quite a few of their games 3-0 uh, the last couple of games. They've been doing really well so far. So, um, yeah, Ashley's not had as many chances to get get those digs in. They should but... pass it to Ashley so she can do some digs. <laughs> well, it's not passing. To... You know what a dig... Yeah, I don't think you know what a dig is then on that point. That's oh, when the other team knock it into the... They knock it into the ground. you got to knock needs... it back up again. Maybe they should come together and um, pass it to Ashley so she can uh -huh. get her digs. And the other stat that I saw, when Ashley did break that record, uh, and to move up to second, um, they actually beat Morgan State, which is also from Baltimore, 3-0. And I looked at the time, there was another person that has a record as well. But the person um, in third was from Morgan State? Uh, no, the person from first was in from Morgan State. Oh. Uh, but they happened to beat, in the game a couple of weeks ago, they beat Morgan State 3-0. I saw at the same time another Coppin player, Andrea, I hope it's pronounced Svetanova. Uh, she's from Bulgaria. And uh, she actually leads the NCAA in uh, aces, and I believe in spikes as well. What's now, aces? Aces is when you serve it and then they don't get to it at all, I think. I don't think they even touch it. Uh, or they don't get it up in the air. I I'm not sure if it's the same as tennis. I think it's that they have to get it up in the air and the other person has to do another touch before that. And you know what a spike is? Yeah. You throw it up in the air and you... You hit it straight down over the thing. So the other people basically don't get to return it, so yeah. Yeah, so then it's basically a Gronk spike, but you hit the ball. <laughs> I guess so. All right, do you want to tell us about some Coppin, uh, Coppin baseball? They're actually playing uh, intra-league games, and I think I saw they had um, an actual game this week against somebody as well. Because I think I saw that um, uh, Jordan Hamburg was pitching. Davey pitching star. So they're splitting into two teams. As it's Coppin versus Coppin, one team's called Navy and one team is called Gold. So this was from their first inter-squad game um, at the new Joe Cannon Stadium. They got all the turf out now. It looks really nice. Navy pitching star Giovanni Canales. Canales, I think. Pitched two insane innings with with forty strikeouts four and allowing strikeouts. Like just one. Hit in a walk. Mm -hmm. Freshman Christian. I think it's Pareja. I think that's how you pronounce that. Has made a day his debut, allowing just one run <clears throat> in fifteen strikeouts no, in two innings of work. Two strikeouts in two innings. So there's a new name. So straight away, I did not recognize Christian Pereja, but that's because uh, he's a freshman. All right, I'll do the Navy offensive starts then. Uh, freshman outfielder Bryce Thompson and redshirt junior Torrin Smith both singled and walked for Navy. Uh, gold pitching star junior Tyler Nickel pitched two innings, allowing just one run on one hit and a walk while striking out four. And the gold offensive stars, uh, Brian Nicholas, the 2022 MIAC tournament MVP, picked up right where he left off, oh, yeah, blasting Brian a Nichols. solo home run to right to give gold a one-zip lead. And sophomore Kevin Miranda also singled and scored the team's second run. Um, I saw the final score was posted as 2-0. Oh, yeah, Brian Nicholas. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. 
However, I also saw, I think it was Corey Miley posted that um, there's no way we finished with zero. We had at least two runs. So I'm not sure of the accuracy of the scoring for this one. It's I saw it was 2-0, but it sounded like there was a little bit of doubt. Um, there's been a few more games going on since, but I didn't notice the pattern. It's always on Wednesdays and Fridays. And we actually had this Wednesday off because it was Yom Kippur. And I saw about 2 o'clock the post was, hey, we're about to start the game at 2.15. And we're like, oh my gosh. Like, there was no way we could have got there. It would have taken like an hour, an hour, 15 minutes, hour, 20 minutes to get there. Um, and so anyway, somebody did confirm for us. I actually think the person that confirmed for us was, I think it was Giovanni Canales actually, um, actually said that the games are on Wednesdays and Fridays. So I looked, I'm like, we're normally at school. Fridays, it's difficult to leave school and get up there on time because it's so busy. Um, actually, you don't leave. I don't know what time your school finishes. Wednesday. It's probably about four. Um, anyway, the one it time we do have... at 3.55. So, get, yeah, by the time we're up there, game will and be over. And then Dad can just wait game in there and it takes me about, like, three it's, minutes. So, there'll be two hours into the game at that point. So, it'll be way too late. The only one I did look at was, um, I was like, oh, November 11th is a Friday because that's Veterans Day. But, unfortunately, their last game is going to be November 4th. So, we can't <laughs> do it. So, I am looking. If there's a possibility that... Um, because I have my planning at the end of the day. If it's possible, I can find a Wednesday or Friday when that happens, and there's something else on at the same time, then we might actually do it, JJ. So I don't know, for example, if it was, let's say, the, the baseball game at 2 o'clock, and then the Coppin State volleyball team were playing at home at 7 o'clock, then we might try and do that. We might get you a half day, and we'll go up. But i got to check the schedule. i got to check the schedule to see how that will actually or maybe. Work. Wait, do they have a basketball team? Uh, they do actually. Yeah. If maybe it's actually they have coach. A... Um, it's actually coach's birthday today. I saw Juan Dixon. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday, coach! I don't know when their season starts. I think they've still got about fifty days to go. So I think it's too early. Maybe we can, um, put happy birthday at Juan Dixon. Um, I saw that Coffin State tweeted it. That's how I knew about it. And we retweeted and we wished him a happy birthday as well. So we already did it. All right, well, normally you would tell us how the Orioles did and who they had up upcoming fixtures. All I did is I changed the upcoming fixtures, which we were going to talk about, and I have all the fixtures to the end of the season. So you want to tell us about how the Orioles ran out the season, JJ? Okay, they won 14-8 against the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. Tell us about lost, the next three games against the Red Sox. They lost 13-9, 3-1, and 5-3 against Woo! the Red Sox. So the Red Sox won the season. Then they series. won 2-1 against the Yankees. And they lost eight to zero against Ooh. the Yankees. They won three to one against the Yankees. And they lost five to one in an eight inning game uh -huh. against Toronto. Dad didn't put the score for the next game. Uh, it says that it was cancelled actually. So I think there was a rainstorm, and then they had a double head. Uh, they had a double header the next day. Although if it was in Toronto, why wouldn't they put the why wouldn't they put the roof up? I don't know why that game was cancelled then, actually. Okay, so what happened in the doubleheader they, the next day? They won 4-5 and they lost 5-1. to Uh-huh. Um, I also saw from at MASN Rock, I think that's pronounced, on September 29th, Adley Rushman's 33rd double as an or is an Orioles rookie. Move over Cal Ripken. And I think I mentioned to you as well, I saw this week that Adley Rushman was actually um, the... was he? I think he was the player of the year for the Orioles. Um, I think he said it was only the third Oriole to have that honor as a rookie. Um, one of the other ones, obviously, was Cal Ripken Jr. All right, Red Sox, you don't need to tell us about the Baltimore series because we already know those, but tell us about Toronto and Tampa. To they the lost 9 to 0. <laughs> they lost that. 10 to 0. <laughs> they lost 6 to 3. 
Uh-huh. They won four to three against Tampa Bay. They Woo. they won six to zero in a five inning game. Uh, in my brain again, probably. Yeah, and they lost six to three. Um. Yeah, I thought you'd like this stat. They lost sports, six to three. Sports Kida reported that the Red Sox will finish last in the AL East. Remember, this is from a week ago. So even before they played their last four games, they were already guaranteed to finish bottom of the AL East. Um, most number of last place finishes since two thousand and twelve in the AL East. JJ, uh, Yankees never, uh, Rays one, Blue Jays one, uh, Orioles four, Red Sox. Five. So the Red Sox have more last place finishes in the AL East since 2012 than any other team. So I looked up first place finishes. Mm, Orioles, zero. Blue Jays, one. Tampa Bay, two. Yankees. New York, three. Red Sox, four. So Red Sox have the most number of AL East division wins and, and the most number of AL East last place finishes. Yeah, this is why that. Yeah, they look some. They get lucky in some seasons, and then they just do horrible in the other. They go the number of times I've seen them go from first to worst really fits with that stat. Like I know first and worst rhymes, which is why it's so catchy. Or opposite, go worst to first as well. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the division next year as well. Like it's just the way that they go. They'll probably and then go. They're gonna, they probably did so bad. They'll probably lose, have a good recruiting class. And then they're going to lose the next season and win the next. Season. Uh, we'll, we'll see. And then they're probably going to lose every other season. But since two thousand and twelve, they've they've had five last place finishes and. Four first place finishes. That, that's absolutely insane. What a crazy team. Uh, they definitely need to lock up a few contracts though. Xander Bogarts, I believe, is up for free agency. That's an important one. And Raphael Devers, they need to make sure they fix that. If they lose those players on top of their season they've had already, yeah, uh, the Rex, it could be. The Red Sox just have hard, have people who are really hard to play against in their division. Uh huh. Yeah, it could. Ju- it, well, that is true. That is true for sure. <laughs> Well, segment four is called This Week in Baseball, but I guess this is actually last week in baseball, JJ, technically. Um, story one was uh, the minor league player of the year. I saw this from Matt Eddy from Baseball America. Uh, they said in every season since 1981, which is when they were formed, uh, except for 2020 because that was COVID, uh, batting average, uh, sorry, Baseball America has named a minor league player of the year. The criteria is uh, we reward the best season by prospect in the minor leagues. We factor in age, level, and projected future MLB value. Now, I didn't think you'd be interested in the ones from 81 to 2000. Okay, Mike Trout Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're doing this in order. So I took out a few that... St- the first one was Mike Marshall, because I figured you might ask me who that is. Um, I don't know who Mike Marshall is, so I'm not sure how good of a career he ended up having. Uh, 1983 was Dwight Gooden, who I definitely recognize. Who's that? He actually played for Lynchburg. Now, he was a pitcher for the, the New York clubs for a while. Uh, 1985 was Jose Canseco. 1988 was Tom Gordon, who used to pitch for the Red Sox. I know him. 1989, Sandy Alomar Jr. 1990, the big hurt, Frank Thomas. It also Frank Thomas? He played for the White Sox. He was a big power hitter. 1993, Manny Ramirez, who played in Charlotte for a while. I did not know that. Um, 1990... Oh, the Charlotte what? Nice. 
1994, Derek Jeter. I think you might have heard of that player. Who's possibly. Derek Jeter? <laughs> 1995 and 1996, Andrew Jones of the Braves. Who's Andrew Jones? We already talked about Andrew Jones last episode, and his son was drafted like number two in the draft this year. Who's that? 1997, Paul Konerko from the White Sox. Who's that? And then I left them the ones from 2000. So from 2000 onwards, is there any of those that you would like to talk about at all? I Mike think there was Trout, one name that caught your eye, 81.4. Right? Now, that the number that you're reading is their current uh, wins above replacement. So that means they're 81 be- games better than an average player in their position. And that's actually the highest of anybody on this list. I think the next highest Dom- is Derek Jeter with 73. Delman Young is horrible. He had negative 1.3. Uh, that surprises me, because I recognize that name, actually. Well, I wouldn't say horrible. It just means like he's a, an average player. For like, Durham. Have... Bulls. Durham Bulls. Oh, okay. Any other names on there that you recognized at all? Josh Beckett I recognized from 2001, because he was a Red Sox player. Who are you pointing at? Jeff Francis? No, this dude right here. Oh, Delman Young. You just said Delman Young. No, him. Oh, Alex Gordon. Uh-huh. All right, let's have a look on the more recent ones then. These are from the last year. Chris. The last few years. Briss Cryant. That's from the Cubs. Mason, I saw him play. Um, Ronald Lacuna. You know Ronald Lacuna Jr.? Vladimir Guerrero. I think you might have heard of it. Not senior. (laughs) I think you might have heard of Vlad Guerrero Jr., yeah. Gunnar Henderson. And that's why I actually found out this article, JJ. I heard it announced by the Orioles that Gunnar Henderson was the uh, player of the year. Charlotte Montgomery and then Durham. But I thought you'd like that an Orioles player had won the award this year. That's why I looked up to see if there was any other famous ones. So in some cases then, in some cases then, some of these players, just because they're minor league player of the year, they don't necessarily go on to have a massive Hall of Fame career. The worst Um, person is Gunnar Henderson. 0.8. He's only played a, like a few games so far. It's a little early to be judging on that. This it gets. It, it's always going to change over the number of games you play. But no, I wouldn't. He's obviously he did really well this year, and um, he seems to have done pretty well when he moved to the uh, Orioles as well. All right, story two. Um, I did see on Saturday the Dodgers became the first. Well, this is the previous Saturday, the first NL team to win uh, 109 games since 1909. All right, who was the team that won 109 games in 1909? Then JJ. Let me guess, it's the Yankees? No, no, they're American League for starters. The Red wow. Sox? Wow, we talked about this because you're Red currently... Red Sox? You, no, they're American League as well. You're currently reading a book about Honus Wagner. Oh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates, correct. And the Dodgers actually went on to win 110, I think it was, by the end. So they actually did And their final good. game at Cop. Hold on, hold Cop. on. Third, third story. And uh, this is from Ann Rogers on Major League Baseball. Wait, the We're game, talking about comebacks. In the book yet, didn't um, Harness get spiked? By Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb was known for doing what that. What does that mean? It means he got his spikes out and tried to get him on the leg to try and injure his leg to get him to move off the base so he wouldn't tag him out. Like stick it into his leg. Yes, yeah, so he used to sharpen his spikes to make them even uh, steeper. Now, That's illegal. The written, well, it, was, it is now. It wasn't then, I don't think. Um, no, like in court kind of. <laughs> This story I put, because last time we were talking mid-game, you were hoping the Orioles might still make the playoffs, so we were kind of tracking the Mariners to see how they were going to do. All right, go ahead. They didn't make it to the playoffs. The Orioles? Yeah. The Mariners did. (laughs) Their final game at Coffman Stadium. Coffman? Coffman Stadium this year. Uh Stadium this year. The Royals found themselves 
43 runs Jackson's down fifth inning. No, how many was it? Nine. Thank you. To the Mariners on Sunday afternoon. Then they found themselves leading by two runs after the sixth inning. The final score was 13-12. to 12. The nine-run comeback matched the Royals' largest comeback win in club history. From June 15, 1977. I mean, 79 in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. manager Mike. Mike Matheny. You asked me. Who's who, that? You asked me last time when we were talking about, like, who's Mike Matheny? I said, I think he's um, the coach for the um, uh, Cardinals. No, he's not coach for the Cardinals. He's actually coach for the Royals. So now we know who it is. Okay. How about that for a finale at Kaufman? And I'm still unpacking the whole thing of what just happened there. Yeah, so they were down by nine, and then after the inning, they were up by two. So that was an 11-run swing. Now, I mentioned that he was a manager for the Royals. Actually, that's not true anymore because he's just been fired as manager of the Royals. So I don't know who Mike Matheny manages now. The reason he came up last episode was, remember, it was how many people had, um, how many managers had Albert Pujols faced in a game? And Mike Matheny was one of them. So I, I just hadn't heard his name mentioned for a few times. So I figured you might also ask about other great comebacks, JJ. So I looked up some of those. Um, there was one this year, uh, May 2022. Uh, the previous 330 times the Mets had trailed by six runs in the ninth inning, they had lost. The Mets, though, erased a six-run deficit in the ninth inning to beat the Phillies 8-7. to Now, actually, in the playoffs, there was a similar comeback to that as well. Um, I think it said the Cardinals had won their previous 82 games if they'd been winning by more two runs or more in the ninth inning. And that streak is gone. They did lose that. All right, Brian Zopatine on Franchise Sports has some of the top 10 comebacks of all time. Some of them aren't necessarily a massive amount of runs, but it was more the situation. So number 10, Royals over the Astros, four runs in the 2015 ALDS. Number oh, nine, yeah, the ALDS. Cubs over the Giants, three runs, 2016 NLDS. Number eight, Tigers over the White Sox, 12 runs in 1911. Wow, that's some comeback. Uh, Red Sox over the in Rays, nine. seven runs in the 2008 ALCS. The Red Sox were facing elimination down 3-1 to one in the series and down 7-0 after the Rays scored two runs in the top of the seven, and then the Red Sox won 8-7. And six, Yankees over the Braves, six runs in 1996 World Series. Uh, the Phillies over the Dodgers, 10 runs in 1990. At one point in the game, the Phillies had a 0.01% chance of winning, uh, and they won. I'm sure you remember this one, JJ. Tigers That's over a the... miracle. The, pretty much. The that ti- the Orioles needed. The Tigers over the Brewers, nine runs in 1901. Remember that one? Not only was this the, one of the best MLB comebacks ever, it also came on an historic day. The Tigers drew an overflow crowd for the first game ever in the American League. That's pretty cool. First game ever in the American League, and they came back from nine runs. I bet the fans will be like, whoa, we want to come back and see more stuff like this. This is pretty exciting. Uh, number three, Cleveland over yeah, the Mariners. One gave, the 12 one runs in 2001. The 2001 Mariners won 116 games, but it could have been one more if not for one of the greatest MLB comebacks of all time. At the end of the seventh, Cleveland were down 14-2. to Now, I want to tell you a bit about the Cleveland game yesterday, JJ, because that was a record as well. The Browns um, game? In the, no, no, the uh, the Guardians game. They were already one up in the wildcard series. Um, it was 0-0 after nine innings. After 14 innings, it was still 0-0. And the final score after 15 innings was 1-0. <laughs> uh, it said it set a record for most number of strikeouts in the game as well. And it was also the longest game ever that went 0-0. 
Uh, it might have been playoff. That's the longest playoff game that ever went 0-0. Uh, number two, Athletics over Cleveland. 12 runs, 19-25. Heading into the bottom of the seventh, the A's were down 15-3. And the game seemed all over. Philly only added one run in the bottom of the seventh, but then exploded for 13 runs in the eighth. Wow, that's crazy. And Maybe the they put in a really horrible pitcher. Because they thought they could get away they probably, with it. Yeah, they probably thought they could rest somebody, possibly. And apparently the biggest comeback of all time, according to them, was the Athletics over the Cubs. Eight runs, game four of the 1929 World Series. In okay, yeah, I can understand that one. It's significant, yeah. In the middle of the seventh, they were trailing the Cubs 8-0. But that was before the A's had 15 batters come to the plate in the bottom of the seventh, with 10 of them crossing the plate to take the win. Wow, pretty impressive. All right, story number five is uh, most stadiums someone has thrown a first pitch in. I'm asking it like that book. Since we've finished reading one that person? book now. Most stadiums that one person, someone has thrown a first pitch in. It's got to be in major league stadiums. I'm sorry. I should have said that. So obviously there's 30 teams. What's the most number of stadiums Royals. anyone's thrown? What's the most number of stadiums one person has thrown a first pitch at? So you think just one? So they just threw one up with Royals, that's it? I think there'd be a lot of people tied for what if the record is one. Royals? Royals? Okay. That's the same stadium. How many different stadiums? Um, Royals? Orioles? Yeah. A number. Okay, four. Four? No, 30. Tom Willis on his LinkedIn says he's thrown famous. out the first pitch at more stadiums than anybody in the history of the sport. Uh, he was born without both of his arms and pitchers and with his foot. Uh, he started in 2008 at San Diego after someone saw him demonstrating him throwing a tennis ball with his foot and joked he had a pretty good fastball and he should pitch at Petco. Anyway, he did. He got invited to pitch at Petco and then suddenly he was like, oh, I should try pitching at different stadiums to kind of spread the word. Uh, he finished all 30 stadiums last week in Colorado. It was pretty impressive how he could pick up the ball with his foot. And then, yeah, he kind of used his foot as, as he didn't have a hand. That's what he had to... You just kind of kick it then? He didn't kick it. He picked it up with his toes. And then he put his foot backwards and then used his foot like an arm to... Yeah, kind of like, like a kick. So it wasn't kicking... Well, he was pushing it more with his foot, like you would with your hand. But it was, um, yeah, it was very clever that he was able to do that. And um, I don't think I put the last one down. But that would be cool if, they, if a lot of people knew about him uh -huh. and then started a GoFundMe and he got enough money to get a prosthetic arm so he could throw a baseball. Well, I think he's just trying to raise awareness right now. And he probably is trying to raise... From what I could see, he's probably trying to raise money as well at the same time. <laughs> now, Story 6 is kind of a little late because it's a week after now. Uh, a pinch hit run on a 3-2 pitch ends the longest active postseason drought in North American sports. Seattle Mariners did get the wild card, um, but it had been a long time since they made it. I think it was 21 years, I think they said they'd not made the playoffs in a row. 17-year-old uh, Marchuani from Paliup caught Cal's drought-ending home run last night and got to come down to the field to celebrate our postseason berth. It was his first ever game. So he caught the home run that sent them into the, uh, into the wild card series, and it was his first ever game. And he got to get on the field. Wow, that's quite a first game. And as we now know, Seattle's actually already in the next round as well. Because a lot of people was like, so what? They made the postseason. They're going to get knocked out in the first round. They did not. They won both their games. And they're going to be Maybe everyone playing should on Tuesday, say now. that so then they get to the World Series. I think they were pretty and fired up. And then people are going to start saying yeah. they're not going to finish it and win. Sometimes being and the underdog, there's no pressure on you. And it certainly, uh, 
It certainly turned out that way. Um, the longest record now for a team not to have made the postseason is actually not baseball. It's uh, basketball. It's um, the Sacramento Kings. They haven't been in the playoffs the since Kings? I think it said 2006. So oh, yeah, the Kings aren't time. good. And um, actually, we know the one for baseball. Who? It's the Angels. The Angels haven't been in the playoffs since I think it was 2013. Oh, yeah. So that's the longest one because it was we were talking about it with about Shohei and uh, Mike Trout. 2013? That's not I 18 mean, years. 11? Your mouth is terrible. I mean, nine. That sounds a bit more like it. And I don't know if that includes, sometimes if it includes the 2013, I don't know if they made it in 2013 or that was the last time they made it. But yeah, nine years since that last happened. All right, JJ, time for that outro. That's it. Not sure when our next episode will be because baseball is going to be kind of done unless we just. Can I have a post